Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. Michael and I will share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael or myself or forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, your co-hosts, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Hi, and welcome to the show. Today is Thursday, July the 28th, 2016. And our calling number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart. And we can hear a few voices in the background, but you're loud and clear. Jeannie and I are on the road getting errands done in Theodosia, getting ready for people to arrive on Sunday. So uh, she's inside of a a store doing the uh, internet, having a, an internet uh, connection, and I'm sitting out in the car. And we're honored that you're here with us. We're delighted to be sharing these first century Aramaic ideas on forgiveness and the how-to of removing trauma, pain, and um, anything that's less than human life from your human system. Uh, the word for that in Aramaic, the first century Aramaic language, is forgiveness, removal. To remove what doesn't belong is the whole idea of this work. Jeannie and I uh, watched, uh, Bill Costantino had put out a uh, notice about a movie that he'd seen that he found quite interesting. And so we ordered it, and um, it's actually available on Amazon for about $5, So, although I suspect it's probably on Netflix or whatever, but it's called Beyond Belief. And it really isn't beyond belief for people who are doing this work, but for the average person, it's a shocker. It's actually right up there with Amish Grace, where when uh, in, up in Pennsylvania several years ago when a, a shooter went into a, a school and killed, I think, five girls and wounded five others, how the Amish community went to support the widow of the, the man who did the shooting and uh, were probably about the only support she had in the community and were there to love her and care for her. And, you know, people who acted like human beings and beyond belief is uh, very similar, only it, uh, it kind of takes it to another level. There were two women who were both pregnant when 9-11 happened. And what brought them together was that their husbands both died in 9-11 were on the airplanes. And they connected, 
and they had a conversation like human beings have. Gee, what can we do to change this situation in the world instead of how are we going to go punish these people? And what they came to find out was that in Afghanistan alone, now this doesn't cover Iraq, this is just Afghanistan, that we have created over 500,000 widows in Afghanistan. 500,000 widows. Unbelievable. And so their uh, work, they joined in creating a project to fund and support these women being able to create small businesses so they could have some kind of income. Basically, in that culture, uh, number one, if women wanted to remarry, they had to leave their children behind, so they're you know, pretty much stuck in that situation where they're not going to remarry, elsewise they're removed from the community, and, um, and they have to leave the children with the father's uh, family if they're going to, um, to remarry. And they are restricted in terms of how they are able to interact in the community. So they basically live hand to mouth. And um, one of the comments that one of the women made, she's in Afghanistan and she's in this home where this family lives. I don't remember how exactly three or four kids and a mother in a one room little, uh, um, you know, shack. And uh, she says how embarrassed she is to say what she's got. They ask her, you know, what does your home look like? We want you to send us pictures. And she's just totally embarrassed to talk about this big, beautiful home that has, you know, X number of thousands of square feet and, you know, her fancy car and all of that. And she's like, I'm embarrassed to even tell you what I have. And I'm embarrassed that you don't have it. And uh, But just really powerful how these two women decided to take their sorrow and their pain. And instead of, and you know, when you think about, the two of them were pregnant when their husbands died, so they both gave birth after 9-11 and were drawn together, and they're bringing healing to the world. And it's just, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. The, uh, they do make the trip to Afghanistan, and they show several scenes of interacting with these women. And, you know, just people just like us, not monsters, not people with horns, not people who want to slaughter us. Actually, one of the most common sentiments from the women that they were interviewing was how, first of all, um, their misperception about what happened on 9-11. Somebody said, oh, well, I understand a tall building was, was knocked down because it was a bad storm and, and an airplane hit it. And the tall building, they said, what they understood was five stories tall. So they definitely some misperceptions. But, but the, the most common theme was how saddened they were to hear that these two women had been uh, widowed and that there had been such an insane thing happen on American soil to Americans and uh, harbored, you know, when the, the tragedies that they were going through, basically they were, well, we're going to take this as God's will and we're going to live with what we have to live with. And so a lot of tears shared, a lot of humanity brought forward. And when you look at, you know, the kinds of things that most of us deal with in our daily lives over which we're willing to rage at somebody or get into trauma and terror and, you know, hostility and all of its, uh, all of its nuances, it's, uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty minuscule what we have to deal with uh, compared to people in this uh, third world country that literally live in hovels and go days without food. And so what these women are doing is fundraising and 
doing things like buying incubators for chickens and supplying them with chickens so that they can have eggs that they can sell and chickens that they can sell and eat. And uh, so they're really supporting these women in creating small businesses that they can actually survive and, uh, and move forward in their world. But a powerful joining in the conversation of people just people just like us and the media paints the people in these places that we've decided we can spend trillions of taxpayers dollars on uh, warring with uh, as though they're some kind of demons with horns and the truth is here they are they're just like us and you know there are are people who will justify their internal rage you know every person that I've ever seen in the military is yeah well I'm a rage I'm going to go kill those people they had their rage long before they ever heard the word military. They had their rage, and, and they've got another excuse for it, you know, the, the same thing of denial, dissociation. Well, I talk about that, you know, I'm angry because they want to kill us. I'm angry because they knocked down the towers. I mean, you know, it's interesting. There wasn't one person from Afghanistan in the so-called uh, attackers that did that. It was all Saudi Arabia, but, but Saudi Arabia is, you know, a multi-billion dollar business partner, so... Let's not go after them. Anyway, that's another whole story. But, but just the, the truth of the humanity of us all, and when we start to reach out individually and collectively, a very po- powerful part of the conversation for these two women was the recognition that we are one, that we're connected, and we've got to stop pretending that we're not and that we can do something to somebody else and not do it to ourselves. So there was some really deep and powerful insight if you get a chance to, uh, to see Beyond Belief. Uh, you can jump on Amazon. I looked at it this morning. There are four or five copies. There are used copies uh, for five bucks plus shipping. And uh, again, I don't know for sure if it's on Netflix or any of those other stations. Probably. I don't. Uh, we don't have those things out here in in the boonies in Theodosia. So anyway. We invite you to look and see what you can do in your community. You know, there are probably people in your community that uh, aren't eating today. And um, who knows, the community garden, I did several posts on my Facebook page yesterday about community gardens, and we are deeply appreciative of the one group here in Theodosia. <clears throat> the one group is a community uh, organization that's about feeding the local community and supporting people being able to feed themselves. And uh, we got home, we had made available to them, we have a nine-acre uh, plot of land that was just uh, fallow, has been for several years, so not having the resources to really do anything with it with labor and such. Uh, we made it available to the one group, and they've just done an awesome job of, from what I understand, clearing out tons and tons and tons of rocks. You know, we, we live in the Ozarks, and one of the interesting things in the Ozarks is you don't even have to water in order to get a new crop of rocks every year. They just come up out of the soil. It's a, you know, a rock-based uh, um, space, so... So there's lots of that, and so they've cleaned the uh, the rock out of that nine acres and planted sorghum and uh, popcorn and regular corn and a few other crops, so that nine acres is now growing food for the community, which is pretty awesome. And they're actually, the one group is getting ready to start a uh, really wonderful project that will hopefully bring some tourists to the area of uh, setting up a uh, sorghum mill with a horse. You know, they've got a, an actual old-timey sour gum mill where they hook it up to a horse and they grind the sour, the, the, uh, sour gum cane and turn it into sour gum. So pretty, uh, pretty neat what the group is doing here in the community. And, uh, you know, look around in your community. And if, there's, uh, if there are people who aren't being fed, you know, 
maybe tear out your flowers and put in uh, a community garden. We were out in uh, Irvine, California a couple of years ago, and they had a uh, an area, actually they took an area along some railroad tracks and turned it into a community garden. So anybody can go work in the gardens anytime they want. And the homeless and the hungry can go and, you know, just harvest food and um, start to turn these spaces into uh, uh, places where they can grow food. And when you look at the fact that, uh, you know, the federal government has now stepped in and said, we're going to keep GMOs hidden from you under a, a fraudulent, yeah, we've passed a mandatory labeling bill. And what it looks like is the mandatory GMO labeling bill is going to look like a, a, a barcode on a product that if you shoot it, it'll give you a phone number that you can call and see if there are any GMOs in it. I mean, it's such a, a bought and paid for system. The whole Congressional Senate game is just such a, a, a just amazing what it's doing. And uh, so it, it might be time for people to start to grow their own food more and more and more. So it might be a gift. And um, one of the posts I did yesterday is a woman who's uh, sitting in her kitchen and she's taken her kitchen closet and turned it into a garden, gotten some LED grow lights and uh, just fabulous, all the different things that she's growing. And so we encourage people to uh, to step in and start to feed yourself and feed your community and, and get food that is real food, that is uh, vital, that is alive, that is filled with nutrition grown in organic soil and, uh, you know, a, a, an energy system that is nutritionally insolvent, that is bankrupt nutritionally, can't function properly. And if you're eating off the, the table at McDonald's, you are bankrupt with nutrition, your children. Uh, it's, it's a travesty. And so it's all just part of the wake-up game. And um, so I invite you to connect with us. If you're not connected with us on Facebook, um, my page is JM underscore RYCE. Send me a friend request. Love to connect and um, take a look at some of those posts about uh, growing local gardens. And uh, let's start uh, short-circuiting this uh, insanity you know the the latest piece that the congress has come up with is they're going to uh, take all source labeling off of foods they're going to remove that under ttp the new trade agreement you're not going to know if your shellfish were born were uh, were bred in feces in uh, taiwan and uh, and then shipped here but that's what they're doing and uh, you know you're soon not going to be able to tell where it came from and uh, it's um, it is definitely a call for responsibility and forgiveness as you look at the uh, the insanity of it all. And and then the gift that we can each give is we can bring a mind of sanity to it, as with these two women who they created the movie about, uh, Beyond Belief. They brought sanity to an insane situation, an insane world, a world that many, many people brought insanity to and just exacerbated the process to the point where well, at least according to um, Physicians for Social Responsibility, I don't have numbers for Afghanistan, but in Iraq they're saying 1.5 million lives have been lost. And uh, it brings an interesting scriptural principle forward and how it's so important to look at your world through a mind connected to love because the construct of your mind becomes a totally different construct. Um, you know, you'll oftentimes when there's a, an upset towards someone else or what appears to be towards someone else. It's really internal and projected on someone else. We hear people oftentimes will say, well, you know, even Moses said an eye for an eye, and they think that's permission. And through a mind of hostility or fear, it looks like permission. 
But if you look at that through a mind connected to Rockwood, to love, as we've been talking about, you see that Moses was dealing with a culture where there was, they were ultra-violent in many ways, just unbelievably insane, just about as insane as what our culture is doing in many ways. And, you know, someone would create the smallest defense and they go wipe out their whole family or their whole town. Uh, literally read those stories in the scriptures. And so what Moses was saying, when you look at a, through a mind of love, you see that Moses was putting a limit on behavior. Okay, if you need to take vengeance, then the most you can do is what was done to you. If somebody knocked out your eye, okay, I guess you can go knock their eye out. If they knocked out your tooth, you can go take a tooth, but you can't go kill them. And what we've done, you know, we've, if, if, if we actually understood that principle, uh, we'd have a lot more peace in the world and we wouldn't have the blowback of creating things like ISIS and uh, all the exacerbated. I mean, it's time to wake up. What, what would happen if everybody in the country, what would happen if the military in America when 9-11 happened said, let's go feed the peasants and the poor in Afghanistan and in uh, Iraq and let's support them in living a life of abundance and, and joy and aliveness. And we wouldn't be being concerned about, you know, enemies. You know, it's just it's time for a change. So watch that film. Bring the sanity forward in your own world and share it with someone else. It's an awesome gift to give. And so we're honored that you're here. And Jeannie, is Dr. Tim with us? He is, and he's on. Well, let's say hello to the young man and see how he be. I'm doing well, thank you. With your trip into, into town productive? Well, we're actually still in town. Jeannie's sitting in the subway because they have a, an Internet connection, and I'm sitting out in the car. Uh, doing the show, so yes, it's being productive, and we've still got more to do. So we haven't uh, haven't gotten back to to Heartland yet. All right. Well, we're I'm doing well. We're uh, looking forward to another group tonight, and I was just listening to your talk, and the thing that resonates for me is the uh, the need to keep focusing on the love and what these women are finding out that we're all the same and in every way I can whenever I'm on my game during a day no matter who I'm talking to one of the messages I try to communicate is we're all the same and if I'm I'm coming from that space and I realize we're all the same and we're all connected then it's really not possible for me to do anything intentionally hurtful or insulting or condemning to anyone or anything because it's me I'm doing it to. And so I'm in the you know, in the whole process day to day looking at um how can I communicate that more effectively and more consistently. So I'm all on board with that, and I'm looking forward to that movie. And I will You'll be sure it. to give more. It's awesome. Uh, I'll be sure to give more two cents after I've been able to look at it. Cool. Fabulous. Well, anything happening in the uh, in the arena of practice today? Any patterns you're seeing that uh, would be helpful for us to look at? Well, I'd just say, you know, the the biggest thing is that the old stuff coming up and, and getting triggered. And one of the things that's most useful for me is if I can help somebody realize 
if they're feeling something they don't like and they take a breath, one of the best questions for them to ask is, how old do I feel right now? And if their actual chronological age doesn't match how they're feeling in terms of competence and effectiveness, that's an indication that something in them from the past has gotten triggered and they should use whatever tool fits for them, and of course the reality management worksheet is one of the best, to remove that energy that's from the past so they have a better, more effective, more loving view of what's going on right now, and then they'll get better results no matter what they do. So that's my two cents for today. Cool. Well, that's a great two cents. Delighted to have it. Delighted oh, to have you on the team right now. Glad to be here. That's a that's a good way to tell if we're in denial. That's awesome. Hadn't thought of it that way, but uh, you know, if I'm feeling like I'm a five year old and I'm doing a five year old rage, it might be helpful for me to recognize I'm not in my current chronological condition and, and functioning out of a mind of an adult. Good, uh, good question. All right, well, let's check with Jeannie and see if there's anything um, exciting happening in the chat room or anybody in the phone queue with a hand up. It's quiet in the chat room, but um, your niece, Michelle, has her hand up. So, Michelle, welcome to the show. Hello. Hey there, young lady. Welcome. Welcome. Um, could you re- say the name of that show again? Something Beyond? Yes. It's Beyond Belief. Um, okay. I've been re-saying it and all that just for the memory. i got to get it in there. Beyond Belief. Yep. Okay, because yes. I want to see that. Um, I'm doing great today. I had a great session with uh, Julie yesterday that helped a lot. I heard. And one thing that I've been um, today, a couple things I'd like to share is um, for me is, you know, through understanding properly how thought arrives, you know, I can observe thoughts come and go, then I'm less obliged to follow them. Hey, good catch. So that one I found very helpful. It just is something that I'm going to work on and be aware of so that I'm aware of how thoughts arrive. I can observe thoughts come and go, and I'm less obliged to follow them as they come up. And then um, to... Be in the present, observe my surroundings, whether it's people, the temperature, trees, birds, everything like that. And as I'm doing that, my mind is focused on the external world and not on what's going on in my mind. So, again, if I'm in a social setting and people, I'm focusing on the external what's going on there, I'm seeing what's happening, not really what I'm going to project in my mind. And then if something does come up as a thought, I know how a thought comes in 
and goes out, I'm not a lo- obliged to follow that thought that got triggered. So as long as or I'm to believe it. My... Yeah. Another another good thing to realize is don't believe everything you think. Because if it's based That's in right. hostility or fear, it's not true. That's right. So I've got those uh, couple things. And just a nice thing I'd like to share with you. Um, you don't know this about me, but <laughs> I like roosters. And I've always liked the story of a rooster in the kitchen for good luck and happiness. So I've got a few little roosters people have gotten for me and all that kind of stuff. And I've always wanted a real rooster from Portugal because the story behind that is there was a pilgrim going from one village to another, and when he came into that village, he was being charged with stealing silver, and he said, I'm innocent. I didn't steal it. Well, the judge sentenced him to hang, and the, I'm just going to say, police that were holding him prisoner till his sentence was to be carried out he said could I please go see to the judge just to speak to him one more time before I'm hung and they did take him to the judge's house and the judge was throwing a dinner party and there was a cooked rooster on the table and he said I'm innocent please don't hang me and the judge's like get out of here and he said when I'm just to be sentenced to hang, that rooster will come to life. And when he was being sentenced to hang, the rooster came to life on the judge's table. And that's where the Portugal happiness and good luck came from. But he was always professing his innocence all the way along. And when you see these roosters, they're just gorgeous. Well, the lady that does my waxing, She's originally from Portugal, and her parents came over. And when I finished getting my wax in the other day, she said, I got a gift for you, Michelle. It was a real Portugal rooster. And when you see it, Mike, on the chest of the rooster, it's got a big red heart. The wings have a heart. And it's like, again, the happiness and luck. And when you look at the roosters, it reminds you of love and happiness, which is our true nature, our true state. So who was this pilgrim coming through the village but love? Because that rooster, that is a symbol in Portugal of this pilgrim and him professing his innocence and then a miracle that came through, right? So when you have that in your home, you see the love and happiness all the time. And then to have this complete stranger do that for me, her mother flew over for a vacation to see her daughter, and she stopped into this store that has the, these roosters and brought it over for me. So now when I wake up this morning, I came downstairs and I look at it, and it's just, you know, I just beam again, and it just puts me in the space of love all the time and happiness. Hello? Michael, no, if you're on mute, we can't hear you. Oh, excuse me. My mute button was pushed. I was just saying I, I wasn't aware of that story. Jean and I were in Portugal a couple of years ago. We did several European countries on our tour last or back 
three years ago now, I guess. And I wasn't aware of that story behind the rooster, but everywhere in Portugal you see roosters on everything. So, so it's cool to have that story now to back it up, to, to, uh, to go with those memories of Portugal. Yeah, yeah. So, and then with my session, like I said, with Julie last night really helped me a lot because I was having trouble getting around my issue of dealing with anger because I would say I don't feel like an angry person or have anger inside me, but the situations or things throughout my life and seeing things. So the worksheet and everything, it just all clicked. So I'm really excited about doing these worksheets coming up after our session yesterday. It it really just had a tremendous impact on me. And uh, so... um, Well, thank you, Julie. Yes, thank you, Julie. Yes, she did. She's actually going to to be helping us uh, put the Heart Center together this afternoon. That's our project this afternoon is to go down and get things unpacked and get the Heart Center ready for guests. Wow. Well, like I said, last night's session really, really helped me and um, good things, you know. So I'm feeling... And I'm going over to my mom and dad's today for dinner. Mm -hmm. I start doggy training with Renee and Rufus today. So um, I already had Renee text me, I'm coming over to get my bed today. And I just said no, because I've got the room full of stuff. I'm renovating all upstairs. Right. Uh-huh. And I said no. She said, I want my bed now. I, You know, I said, no, we'll plan on a date. You can't just come over. I've got stuff in there. We need to move right. it, like, Literally, I've got <laughs> furniture on top well, of furniture and showers. <laughs> so, well, we um, she doesn't she doesn't like that answer too much. You know, you know. Well, a chance for her to learn forgiveness, cancel a goal. Yeah. Teacher, yep. that'd be a I place said, we'll to work on to it. Let go of some frustration. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I cool. said to her, I said we'll work it out. Not to worry. You know. Awesome. All right, young lady. Well, it's good to hear your voice. I'm glad things are moving forward, and thank you, Julie. Yes, yes, and I look forward to getting out walking and practicing the uh, being in the present and watching my breathing and watching the external world wherever I go, and then also, you know, those thoughts as they come and go. I'm not obliged to follow those because really what they do is trigger, you know. Exactly. So yep. if I keep and focused if it's, and on if it's really unlike what's love, happening. I can forgive it. That's right. Yay. That's Yay. Right. Good work, young lady. Delighted for you, you. and us. Oh, right. I'm There's so glad. There's a wonderful glad. line Thank in the Course you. in Miracles that says, "There's a wonderful line in the Course in Miracles that says, when you are healed, you are never healed alone, and millions yet unborn will benefit from the work you do, and you're doing some great work." Oh, great. And I'm also listening to an audio book. It's Bones Labyrinth, I think it is. And it's mm-hmm. basically the neuroscience and connection to the digestive system and how well they work or function together to go back to your healthy right. eating and what's yep. being put into food. And um, it it goes back um, 50,000 years, and it's got this progression. It's a 
quite the interesting story. I haven't got through it all. It's very, very interesting in what's been hidden throughout, mm-hmm. and it's about how there was a leap in man's intelligence, like a spark, and yet our right. brains didn't get bigger. And now, mm-hmm. are we going to go back or are we going to go forward during that leap? And I think it's going to, now my, this is my perspective, I don't know yet, I think it's going to come back to what we're putting into our bodies. Are we going to leap ahead or we leap backwards? It's all because connected. It it's all connected, right. So cool. I'm cool. quite interested in that book. Cool. Well, keep us posted. I will do. All right. Lots of love and blessings. Take care. Bye-bye. Yes. Everybody, too. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. We have another caller. Great. Let's say hello. Area code 210. You're on the air. Hello. Can you hear me? We can. You're loud and clear. Hi, I'm here. Where are you calling from? Hi, my name is Chris, and I'm calling from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Oh, great. Welcome. Thank you. How can we support you today, Chris? I'm glad to hear your voice. Thank you. Um, Well, I'm... uh, Going through a transitional phase, I believe. Um, I'm trying to become more humble, more stellar-like. Um, not complain so much, you know, these sorts of things. Uh, I've been going through quite a quite a bit of trials and tribulations um, within these past weeks, two weeks. Uh, finally, going to get a paternity test that I've been waiting to get done for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, I do. Hope that the child is mine, because that means that these three years worth of me beating myself up would have been for nothing, as opposed to the child is not paternally mine, then that's going to mean that these past three years were just a total waste. Um, and so I'm well, wondering about that and the outcome of that. Well, as Michelle just shared... You know, that's a thought, and you could entertain that thought, or you could recognize that that thought is not true, because it sounds like the whole struggle that you've been through has given you the gift of choosing to become more humble. I believe I mean, so. Some people never I believe some so. people never learn that lesson their whole lives, so it sounds like it's been a very valuable three years. Uh, it has. Um, uh, if you know the, uh, the, the poem... Um, uh, and of course, I can't think of the name right now. But the one, uh, you know, if you can start again at your beginnings, uh, if you can risk everything on one turn and pitch and toss, and start again from your beginnings, right. never breathe a word about your loss. I'm trying to apply that to my whole life, and yes, just try and stay steady when everyone else is going crazy. You know, were you on the show yesterday? Crazy. No, were I was you on not. the show yesterday? Oh, I actually um, read that poem on the show yesterday. I read that yesterday. Oh. Huh. So it's interesting. Huh. You bring, it's interesting you bring it up. You go back to the archives and Rudyard Kipling. Yeah. Wow, there Pretty it cool. is, Kipling. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, uh, you know, I'm on, I'm on Facebook and I actually posted that poem about three years ago, yesterday, and it came up, and so that it just hit me in the face yesterday, and I was like, man, I needed that more than ever, and it's really, I think it's cool that you you said it yesterday too, because it helps a lot of people. Yeah. It's helping me. So. Well, you know, when you what he's describing there is a human life. Most people on the planet don't live as humans. And, and our definition of a human life is hold a newborn child. 
If you hold a newborn child, you know exactly what a human life is. It is the presence of love. And what Kipling's right. describing is what love will do in the face of trials and tribulations. And what the world does is certainly something quite different for most people. So, Interesting. Yeah, I, b- I believe it. I think it's great. Well, I'm glad it's serving you and that you might go back and listen to yesterday's show and uh, see how uh, how that impacts you. Yeah, but I'm just learning so, to uh, just learning to forgive myself, I guess, for everything. And I'm just waiting for this outcome. I really can't wait for this outcome. Cool. Well, we hold the space. And my input would be that you never bother to try to forgive yourself because you can't. You can pardon yourself and say, okay, I'm going to let myself off the hook for the things that I've done. But forgiveness is how you, and I don't know if you've tapped into the worksheet process yet. If you haven't, you might want to look that up on the website and start to use it. But forgiveness is the tool with which you go inside yourself and remove those kinds of judgments towards self and others that take you out of your human life. And and by removing those things, the only thing left is the truth of who we are, and that is that awesome presence of love that each of us truly, truly is. So if you haven't uh, tapped into the worksheet process yet, you might go to uh, our website, whyagain.org, and the first words in the top left-hand corner of the page are start here. If you click that, it'll open a whole series of links that will walk you right through the whole uh, first century Aramaic forgiveness process, which is the process of removal. You know, when you say, you know, I'm trying to be sane, but sometimes I just go crazy. So forgiveness is how you remove the crazy part. So that no matter what happens in your life, you stay centered, as Kipling said, and you can't go crazy because crazy isn't in you anymore. You know, we tend to live in a world where we say, well, I went crazy because Charlie did this, Bill did that, Mary did that. I didn't go crazy because of what Charlie, Mary, or Bill did. I went crazy because I got crazy in me. If I apply forgiveness, I remove crazy. And no matter what Charlie, Bill, or Mary do, I don't have to do crazy anymore. And uh, it, it just makes, you know, it makes for quite a different life. Right. Right, and I'm starting to see that now. I really am. And it's a lot. Oh, it's a lot awesome. nicer. <laughs> it's a lot oh nicer. man, light years ahead. Light years. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate. I appreciate what you're doing, man. You know, keep it up, and I'll I'll fill you in when, uh, once I get an answer. I'll call you back. Keep us posted. All right. Love and blessings. Take care. Appreciate the call. Thank you. You too, sir. Bye. All right. And actually, it wasn't yesterday you did that poem. It was the day before yesterday. Oh. Day before yesterday. Time flies when yeah. you're having fun. I know. So our call-in number is 646-200-4169. If you're on one of those stations where we can't see you in our control panel and you'd like to talk to us, if you uh, dial that number, you'll be listening to the show on your phone. And then if you have a question, you push one, that puts you in queue. A little hand goes up through the magic of technology, and Jeannie can see your hand go up, and uh, she'll introduce you. So if you've got a comment, a question, a thought for us, we'd love to hear from you. Push one, and you're talking to us. And I don't think there's anybody in the line at this moment. So, And we've got 20 minutes or so left for, uh, for conversation, so we've got room for several good questions. Anybody Actually, there with I was, anything having a chance? Go ahead. Nobody has their hand up or anything. I was just flipping over to look at my camera because yesterday, right at the close of the show, someone had written something in the chat room, and we said we would start the show out with it today. And oh, that's right. Let me get that open. Um, it was Maureen and... 
Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to find it here, too. Okay. Um, the conversation about guilt yesterday. Um, right. Was giving her more wake-up sheets that she needed to do. She says, um, what goal might be associated with the need to be punished in order to alleviate the guilt? And I told told her, you know, that that happened with children, adults, and especially we saw it in people in prison, that if they did something they felt was wrong, quote-unquote, that then if they were punished, that payment would be made for it. And she said, so would the goal be that I always do it right? And she says, I want to dismantle the belief that payment has to be made. Um, and I often punish myself with harsh words to alleviate my guilt. I would like to let go of the belief that payment needs to be made. So if you could address that for her. Cool. Perfect. Yes. Great question. So number one, um, that doesn't cause or alleviate your guilt to, to punish yourself. What it does is, you know, the harsh words that you're speaking about, that's the drug hostility, and it will tend to anesthetize the feelings of guilt and the pain that goes with it. But it isn't going to alleviate it or change it in any way, shape, or form except to increase it. If you were doing worksheets around the need to be punished, and as Jeannie said, you know, when, over the years when we go into prisons, one of the questions we'd ask, uh, actually in our, our personal code evaluation is, do you feel better if you get punished, or do you feel like you should deserve to be punished if you do something wrong? And so many people say yes. And so the, the worksheets that might be done, there could be a whole variety of worksheets that would bring, be brought up in that circumstance. One might be, you know, you perhaps had a parent who told you, well, you do wrong and you're supposed to be punished. So the worksheet in that arena might be uh, to be treated lovingly, gently, and respectfully by a parent, uh, to be told the truth by your parents might be what happens there. There might be a genetic component to it. And, you know, Sitting down, you know, we hear the parent who says this hurts me more than you, and then there's this big conversation with the child, the parent trying to rationalize their hostility toward the child. And, you know, I'm only doing this for your good, and uh, you'll thank me for this someday. You know, they can all be, they could all be worksheet topics that um, I want my parents to really know the principles by which the universe operates because we haven't been taught the principles. You know, if you look at this word uh, discipline in this culture, it's become properly beat up. And so the parent who's been taught that discipline means I have to hit my child in order to keep them in line and it's a gift and I'll be spoiling my child if I don't hit them. Uh, there might be goals for the parent there, for the parent to have been loving, gentle, and respectful with their hands, with their words. Uh, for the, There might be a goal for the parent to, especially with the learning that you're doing, Maureen, and I know the wonderful work you're doing with your girls, uh, it, it might be the... Uh, the, the goal that your parents would have known what real discipline went, that your parents was, uh, might it be the goal for your parents to have had the tools uh, to be able to work through these things, to actually discipline, which comes from the word disciple, which means properly taught. But we can't properly teach somebody something that we don't understand, that we don't have a proper teaching about. And, uh, you look at how much of the world's teaching turns us toward hostility and fear, and you see how much of the world's teachings are off base. 
So there'd be some of the arenas you might uh, go in, and if there are any other, uh, you know, finer points of it, any other questions, Maureen, you might just want to dial in and push one, and and we'll have a conversation about it. Dr. Tim, do you have any thoughts on that one? Oh, go ahead, Zini. I was just going to say by her saying that she beats herself up with harsh words, that's probably then um, what her power person did. So, you know, maybe they didn't punish by, you know, spanking or or whatever. It may have just been words. And sometimes things can be said and, you know, the parent even in their head thinks that they're saying it nice. And, you know, it might just come across, you know, I, the one that pops into me is one time being told, after all we've done for you and you can't hang around here and help us in the garden. You know, and so it was that guilt of, oh, they've done so much for me and then I don't do my part back. And then feeling right. like I don't do enough. And so yep. the the guilt for that. And then, you know, I can remember it as a child one time doing something, you know, we were playing in the barn and we weren't supposed to be in the barn. And all of my other cousins got a spanking. My dad just talked to me, but everybody else got a spanking. And I almost felt guilty because they all looked at me like I hadn't gotten punished for it. And so a lot of it just comes so from different directions. So your dad disciplined you instead of punish you. Yeah, he just talked dad to me about you know, how you I could have gotten hurt and I needed to needed to do what granddad asked and, you know, whatever, and everybody else got a spanking. And, I mean, we're talking probably there were ten of us, and I was the only one that didn't get spanked. And so mm-hmm. they all looked at me like, you know, they had received all the punishment, and I didn't. So then I felt guilty because I thought my cousins wouldn't like me or, or whatever because I didn't get the equal punishment, you know. So it's like crazy, some of the beliefs that we take on. And so, you know, in that case... What? thinking that you needed to be punished to alleviate the guilt actually would be have a goal for my cousins to still accept me even though I didn't get whipped, you know, or whatever. Right. So it could be little things like that. And even to be punished, the goal to be punished. You know, as a child, you'd have been in good stead with them and you'd have been part of the crowd if you'd been punished. So, you know, there would be a a goal that would have a constructive result of making you part of their uh, their little clique of uh, of punished children. So it sounds like a few worksheets there, sweetie. Yeah, probably so. Yeah. <laughs> but that's cool. what came Good up for stuff. me when you were talking to Maureen about yeah. that. So thank you, Maureen. Right. Yeah. One other one other thing might be that the harsh words perhaps weren't ever even said to you by your power person. But you might have observed your power person saying hard, harsh words to themselves or to someone else and acquired the belief that way as well. And so all of that would be uh, uh, worksheet material that could clean up different parts of the mind and uh, leave one uh, moving in the direction of free of guilt and punishment. And, of course, church has done the same thing. You know, there's this whole thing of paying the price and None of that goes back into the actual original Aramaic ideas. That's just, if you look at this idea of uh, blood sacrifice, that somebody has to pay in blood. And, you know, sorry folks were brought up in that, but that's just not scriptural. It's nothing to do with the first century Aramaic teachings of Yeshua. 
that whole idea of blood sacrifice and paying in blood is actually a medieval idea. And medieval England, if I were a landowner and, you know, let's say you owned a piece of land next door and your servant came over and, say, killed one of my animals, then I would demand satisfaction from you. And that didn't mean I'd go and punish the servant. I had to go and draw your blood as the landowner. It was like it had to be equals. And that's the, well, that whole medieval idea has been taken on by the church of, well, you know, you can't do enough. You'll never be good enough to actually get out of this. But, you know, God had to come down and give his blood. In, and that's all medieval England. That's not scriptural. That's not Yeshua's teaching. And I know that may offend some people, but, but that's okay. Worksheet's on offense. Because if you can be offended, you're not standing in a connected space of love. And so perhaps that'll be the next piece of work for anybody that happens to come up with. So, but uh, important to get to the truth of these issues. And uh, let's see if Dr. Tim has any ideas. I know Tim's done a lot of work with, uh, with children, has a book on uh, parenting. And you want to share anything there, Tim? Well... <clears throat> I, I echo everything that you and Jeannie have just said and the other brain cells that got stirred up for me, and it's been months since this has come up, but the concept that every person, child, teenager, adult, creates their own experience, their own reality. And so the parent doesn't have the responsibility for creating the reality or the internal experience for the child. The parent's responsibility is to do their best in each moment, learn more tools if they can, apply those tools, be as loving as possible. And even in the most loving, nurturing situations, people, children, adolescents, and adults, can take a traumatic download from an interaction. And the example I use most often is that when my dad died, we'd been prepping for his death and having the kids around a lot, and and he, he passed very suddenly. And um, I had just dropped the kids off at school and got the news that he wasn't going to make it through the day, but uh, sent him home from the hospital, and he got there at 10 to 11, and by 1 o'clock he'd taken his last breath. And so from... You know, 9.30 until school was over, we were in conversations about how to tell the kids and what to do, and my wife and I both went there and sat in front of the school and talked to them about it and cried some tears and gave them options about going home with their mother or going with me to Grandma and Grandpa's place until the rest of the family came in. And all, we just, hours of preparation and loving execution. and And then three days later, we were at the funeral home, and my brother comes in and says, oh, so, Mr. Hotshot Psychologist. And I said, okay, what did I do now? He says, well, we're in the other room, and we ask your sons, how did you find out that Grandpa died? And your oldest son says, it was really stupid, man. They pulled up in front of the school, and they said, Grandpa's dead, and they drove off. And that was it. And I turned, I went in the other room, and I said to my son, is this how you experienced it? And he goes, yeah, and I said, well, you don't remember how we sat there for like 45 minutes and we talked all about it and we cried and we gave you options and talked about how you felt and what would be happening over the next few days, and then we drove away. He said, well, yeah, but it was still stupid. So, 
So I can be as loving, I can be as thoughtful as I know how to be, and that doesn't necessarily create the internal experience for those around me. So I'm constantly encouraging parents to just do their best and know that's all they can do and then be there for loving support for their children as they deal with the traumas that they download from those events. Thoughts, comments, reactions, answers, questions? Michael, I see your mouth moving, but... (laughs) <laughs> We're not okay. Mute challenge. I, I was just saying, so so Tim, what you're saying is just like any relationship where you can be as loving as all get out and uh, what's triggered in moving in somebody else creates a reality that uh, is not exactly accurate about what happened. So that's, uh, that's that one applies just straight across the board with anybody for sure. It's yep. interesting in this uh, in this film that I was talking about, they're talking to these women and you know uh, there's a a pretty strong brainwash which i question in this culture about the repression of women and certainly there seems to be some measure of that but it was interesting one of these afghani women was talking about and her husband was dead and basically her life was over i mean several of these women said you know i mean russia was in at attacking afghanistan before we went in there and did that and and now the u.s military is uh you know is guarding the poppy fields where the taliban had almost eliminated opium and now their their tonnage is up by 10 times what the uh, it was under the taliban but um this one woman was talking about their relationship with her husband and her perception of this was and she used the idea of a an umbrella and that, you know, the husband was like an umbrella that protected her in the society. And I don't know what's led to all the burqas and all the stuff that goes on there, you know, how violent a culture it was toward women, how much rape happened, who knows, that led to that. But uh, it was interesting to hear this woman's perspective that uh, now that her husband had passed, the umbrella that had protected her all her life was gone and that she was living a pretty traumatic life. So it was an, an intro, a different reality than, you know, the one that we're constantly fed by the uh, the global media that um, wants to slant things in a certain direction. Very interesting. Well, we're down to a few minutes left, Jeannie. Is there anybody in the chat room with anything going on or anybody with a hand up in the phone queue? Camille, uh, and I'm glad you're sitting. Oh, cool. Hi, Camille. Hi, Bob. We'll look forward to seeing (laughs) you guys in the fall. So she said that that listening to the show in France is as clear as it was when she was listening to it in Florida. So that's pretty cool. cool. And nobody has their hand up, and we do have five minutes. So someone presses one. We've got time for a quick question. So if we were having this conversation, go ahead, sweetie. I was just going to say, yesterday we announced all the intensives and didn't mention the one that Michelle and I are doing. I will be doing a women's intensive at Michelle's residence, uh, and that is going to be, I don't have the flyer in front of me here. It's September, ah, my calendar won't even 25th, 6th, and 7th? I think it was 25th, 6th, and 7th, maybe? No, um, 18th, 19th. 18th, 19th, 20, 21st. No, that's August. Ah, okay. Shoot. 
Okay. Um, the 15th, 16th, 17th, and 18th of September. So it starts on Thursday night, September 15th at 5 o'clock, and it goes until 1 o'clock on Sunday, September 18th. And she has a beautiful place. Um, I've got to still get pictures up on the website. I don't have them up quite yet. Uh, we do have a flyer, and so contact us on that. The cutoff date for signing up for that is August the 25th. And uh, we're limited to nine being residential, 18 total. That's counting some people that will be commuting. And so we're looking forward to a good time there. Lisa K. Mack is going to be coming and doing the food for us. So it's all fallen in place, and, and we're excited about that. And and that's going to be at that, Wilmington, Wil, Williamsburg, Michigan, Williamston. just outside of Lansing. Williamston. Williamston? Yes. Williamston, Michigan. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, other so than anybody that, that's close um, and up in the Northlands, uh, you can uh, spend four days with Jeannie on the Healing the Whole Woman. And... Uh, get another view of uh, processing through women's issues, which sometimes are a little different than what comes up in mixed company. And our call-in number is 646-200-4169. We would love to hear your sweet voice if you have a thought or a question for us. We're down to a couple of minutes. Nobody has their hand up, so also um, maybe tell what might happen. It's not set yet in St. Louis after the intensives at Heartland. Right. Jeannie will probably be flying back from uh, from Michigan to St. Louis, and I'll be driving up from Heartland to St. Louis. And it looks like we're going to do probably a full week of uh, why is this happening to me again, on creating consciously, healing through relationships, communications, you hear what I think I said, uh, empowered to heal, codependence to interdependence, and mind shifters and still point breathing. We'll be doing a full week of workshops at uh, Unity on Skinker in uh, Skinker Boulevard in uh, St. Louis. And if that all comes together, there was another gentleman there last week from uh, CSL where we spoke last time we were in St. Louis, and uh, he was um, imploring us to do some work over at CSL. So we may do a full week of workshops at uh, CSL in St. Louis, which would give folks in the area opportunity to, uh, to participate in 11 different workshops. So if, uh, if you want to mark that on your calendar, it'll be the third, if it all comes together, which it looks like it's going to, it'll start the third Sunday of September. I don't remember what that date is offhand. But uh, that's our plan, and we're sticking 25th. to it, or at least if 25th, yeah, yeah, September 25th. So for the next two weeks, if all that falls in place and comes together. And, of course, we, uh, we start on Monday with uh, Food Fund Forgiveness and Work Program. Come on, give us a hand, help to get Heartland ready for the summer season. We'd be delighted to have you. We'll be doing some awesome cooked recipes. Ari's been out shopping in Chicago, getting all kinds of goodies, a new brown rice pasta that's supposed to be pretty awesome. We do cooked food during this, uh, this particular 10-day. And then we'll be moving into a nine-day, why is this happening to me again? I don't have the uh, dates in front of me. My apology, Magda. And we'll be doing a, a three-day personal code evaluation training and a 16-day laws of living. So if you're ready to take your work to the next level, we would love for you to join us. And uh, we hold the space that um, you create the best year yet of your eternal life. 
if this show is meaningful to you, bring a stranger to it tomorrow. The archives are always available. We're up to well over, I don't know, 15, 1,600 shows in the archives. So you can download any of those and uh, really participate in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of conversations uh, around the whole process of first century Aramaic forgiveness and create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings. I choose to live more consciously Evolving continuously Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice and myself, Jeannie Rice as we present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. We are here every Monday through Friday from 1 to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael, myself, or Aramaic forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.